You know something? On Easter Sunday morning, I led our church in a song. You can grab a seat, you can grab a seat. It wasn't planned, but I started talking about the resurrection, and we've got a, a beautiful brother on our on our eldership that's Nigerian, and he loves to start every prayer with, Oh, Father, because you live, I can face tomorrow. It's, it's magnificent. And I was telling our church that's why we have faith for today and faith for tomorrow. In fact, this little voice, and I'm starting to work out it's not always the Holy Spirit, but <laughs> I started to sing. Because he I yeah, and the, well <laughs> the, I did that and you did that. Come on. It comes a high bit. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because we How many sense the anointing go up just there? Worship elective next year? I tell you what, Darlene and the team, I walked into that worship stream today and the sense of God as hungry people were leading it. It was unbelievable. I actually got to every session today and I joined with Pastor John and saying thank you to those of you that put so much effort into leading it. And uh, I was proud of you. See, we, we had this venue for the whole day and really it was just to set up and we said, why don't we just invite people to maybe value add to their conference experience, upskill in the areas that they're called? And you just turned up and turned up. And uh, for me, it, it just says to me that there's just a hungry family that wants so much to be used by God in their generation. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. If, if you have never been to an ACC conference, this is not like most other conferences you would attend. Um, most other conferences have humans at it. This one's just got pastors and leaders. <laughs> All right? And just for the record, every session is closed. There is no online broadcast. Some years ago, the Lord spoke to my heart when I was leading Queensland before I started leading us at a, as a nation. And I felt the Lord spoke to my heart and he asked me this question, who ministers to the ministers? <clears throat> We want you to have a conference where you're not staring at the sound man. You're not wondering whether the meeting's going too short, too long, whether the atmosphere is right. We just want you to come as believers and lean in and be ministered to. Not worrying about who's looking on or whatever. I, I encourage you, some of us need to be on every altar call in every session. We've cut down the numbers of sessions. We've taken out a session out of it each morning so that there's more time for you to be ministered to. See, if you leave full, you can pour out to a hurting community. And that's our goal, for you to everyone. I say to our church every week, they can almost repeat it backwards. I say to them, you get out of church what you put into it. Let me say about this conference, you'll get out of this conference what you put into it. Don't walk in like you're too cool for school, 15 minutes after a session with your coffee cup being real cool, cooler than the rest of us. Grow up, be a leader, be on time. No, come on. We're here, we're leaning in, we're ready, we've got hungry hearts, we're in prayer meetings when they started. 
We'll get out of this conference what we put into it. And uh, I just know that God wants to do something good. So if you're here for the very first time, if, if you are, why don't we welcome them and say, we are so glad to have you here. This week, this week we'll be doing a number of things. We'll be celebrating all that ACC is doing in our nation and beyond. We'll be stopping and celebrating some really amazing people. There'll be milestones and moments to pause and give praise to God and thanks to some really, really amazing people. So my real strong call for you is don't miss a session. Don't be late for anything. Lean in and just be ready for what God wants to do. As Pastor John's already said, there are nine names for nine different positions, which means I said to each person standing, you have no opposition. So if you don't get on, we'll buy you an L plate. If you don't get on, then there's something wrong with the technology. Every person, let me tell you, I so love Pastor Brad Bonham and Pastor Corey Turner. They've, they came to us some months ago and said, we actually don't feel that it's something that's on our life for this next season to be on the ACC leadership. So they stood aside. And initially we had three people put their hand up for what would be two vacant positions. Um, Pastor Mark Check came and spoke to us. Pastor uh, Ben Natoko put his hand up. And Pastor Josh Greenwood from now called Futures Church in Adelaide. Last week Josh called me and said, you know, I, I really want to serve the ACC. But family commitments have him out of the country this week. And that is literally out of his control. It's something that his broader family has committed to. And I have a motto. Lynn and I have a motto in everything we lead. And if you've worked with me, you'll hear me say this a lot. Family comes first. And so Josh rang me and said, out of respect for the others that have put their name forward, I think I should withdraw this time. Hopefully one day there'll be an opportunity for Josh to serve at that level. But that means that now, you know, Ben and Mark have put their hand up and I would commend all nine to you. I'm even promoting myself tonight to uh, encourage you just to vote, um, you know, and, and let, let's just get on. It means that means that the team that are looking after that side, it's very, very easy. And obviously, you just heard me say, I'm standing again uh, for uh, the leadership of our movement. I do so with the support of our national team. I do so with the support of Lynn and our local church hope setter. I'm... I'm aware of my date of birth, and I never want to be that guy that gets in the road. I'm not being silly with this. I never want to be that guy that everyone's sort of wanting, when's, when's, when's he getting out of here? Um, you need to know those that I respect, those that I honestly open to their counsel have spoken, and we, we believe that there's still this season for me to continue to serve and lead, and I'll do it with energy. There's not going to be some sentimental tour. If this happens to be the last season that I lead this, we're not going to do some sort of tour around Australia waving like the Queen. Uh, we, we've got 500 churches to plant in this nation. We've got cities and towns that need Jesus. We've got mission that needs to be done around the world, and I'm more energized now than I've been in a long, long time. In fact, a lot of the wars that we've had to fight, they're done with. <laughs> Walked into an executive meeting maybe 18 months ago and said, I thought God spoke to my heart. We've moved out of the David era and into the Solomon era. We've moved into an era of peace. David said, you know, I can't build the temple. It's got to be done by my son. He said, I can't build it because there's blood on the sword. We've had a lot of fights and we've had to fight. 
We haven't fought bad fights, but we've had to fight necessary fights, and we've, we've been through all that. And we're now in a season where I feel like we're in a season of peace. You build in seasons of peace. You build in times of peace. And I think God is going to build something magnificent as we humbly serve our cities, our towns, and the nations in the name of Jesus. So we're going to continue to serve. I've got a magnificent team. The team I've had this last term have been brilliant, and uh, I'm going to miss greatly Brad and Corey. But um, I welcome with real joy. Uh, both Mark and Ben, and look forward to uh, to that result. So do what you have to do with all that technology. Um, if you have any technical issues, come and see me because I am brilliant. Uh, those of you that know me know that I just told a little lie. <laughs> a year or so ago, we were talking about this moment, and the question was, what will we speak over? the ACC 2023 conference. I really strongly felt that we needed to prophetically declare that when we gather, this would be an outpouring. I have a strong theology around the thought of what you call things, they become. Right from the outset, God said to Adam, whatever you call those, those things, that's, that's what they are. And I believe that we've already prophetically declared that this would be a moment when we experience an outpouring. And, and, and it's just been magnificent as I've watched you and I've heard you and I've had phone calls and texts from people who said, you know what, I'm so ready. You know what excites me? The Bible says those that hunger and thirst, they're the ones that are going to be filled. And there's a hungry, thirsty army of people that are ready to meet with God. And we will experience an outpouring. Every night session, let me tell you, Pastor Corey Turner's leaving tomorrow. Then the final night, Pastor Mark Barragis, get ready for what God wants to do as we all experience an outpouring. Just like the day of Pentecost, people got in the room, they were united in heart, and heaven invaded the place. And we're ready for the same thing, amen? Personally, I believe we've entered a significant moment in the kingdom. There's a shift. Some months ago, there was a different tone in conversations. There were different experiences happening as we gathered in local churches in moments like this. The question's being posed, are we in a revival? And I said, well, I'm not sure. I kind of hope not. I hope there's more for us than this. But there is definitely right now a season of renewal. There is definitely right now a season of, of readiness, of preparation, that God is getting his people ready for something radical that will change nations. In August of last year, the Lord spoke to my heart from the book of Haggai and said, I am entering and taking you people into a season of restoration. I'm going to restore. I'm going to renew. And those of you that know the book of Haggai know how that all happened. And when, when God's people got ready, things started to happen really fast. And in the middle of it, God says to me this. It's in the word you read in the book of Haggai. It says, the things that I do in the latter times will be far greater than ever what happened in the previous era. Thank God for the revivals we've read about. We've all read Azusa Street. We've all read what happened in Wales and all those kinds of places. I honestly believe that we are living in the latter days. I believe that we're going to see greater dimensions of the glory of God. This is not hype. This is conviction. We will see more of the glory. If you're with me today, we will see more of the glory of God. Signs and wonders following, people being saved by the hundreds and thousands. Tomorrow night we're celebrating Youth Alive. Let me give you a news flash. 
that era of youth alive saw 320,000 first-time decisions for teenagers for Jesus in our rally. That city's being saved. I'm believing we can see more. Can you say amen? We can see more of the glory of God, more of his power as we experience new dimensions of his outpouring. And I don't know exactly what to call this season, but I do know that very much in my heart, I have this strong, burning conviction that it will be prayer that takes us into it, but it will be mission that comes out of it. There have been so many moves of God that have lacked great preaching, but none have been void of intense and powerful prayer. That's why we're so committed to having prayer meetings every morning when we gather, getting ourselves ready, praying, praying not only for meetings but for cities. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. I wrote a, a note in my journal a few months ago as God began doing this fresh work in my heart and in our local church. I said, any work of God that ultimately does not yield transformation in the community runs the risk of being mere fascination for the church. I, I, I don't want that river to turn on itself because that becomes a swamp. Swamps ultimately just lack life and they smell. And some of us have seen those things happen. I want to see the river of God flow from the temple out through into the Dead Sea where everything comes alive. That's why I'm so excited about the planting of five hundred churches. That's a church a week for a decade. Are you up for that? Many, many years ago as a, a young leader, I was asked by our movement in Queensland to lead the church planting arm of our of what was then the Assemblies of God. And I began to read and study and do what I could and I came across the writings of See Peter Wagner from the Fuller Institute, and it so caught my heart, and I've seen it over and over and again become the truth, that the greatest way to effectively transform communities is through the planting of prevailing churches. We've just put a tiny seed in the ground in the city of Darwin. Did you know that the, the movement, you say, ACC, does not have one church in the town of, of Darwin of 160,000 people? We've had other movements that are now associate and other people have gone and done other things. We don't have one church. If we are to make a difference for Jesus, state presidents hear me, regional leaders hear me, we need to plan to plant at least one church to every 20,000 people per population. Some states are edging towards that. Others are a long way behind. It is time for us to get serious. How's that going to happen? Not by might or by power or by strategy or by funding. It's going to happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. People are getting full of God. People are getting a heartbeat for what matters to Him. Hey, it is time to see the kingdom of God advance. Prayer will take us into what He has, but mission will come out of that. In Jesus' name. So we're going to go old school, this conference. I'm going to take you to... A passage that everybody is expecting someone to preach on this week, Joel 2.28. It says this, and again, we had a conversation at, at our national team maybe a year or two ago because this one word caught our attention. It said, and afterward, say afterward. We've been a few thing, through a few things beforehand. The last few years has been a kind of a crazy season that the entire planet had to navigate. The church seems to be 
from every angle, having rocks thrown at it. There's a whole lot of stuff going on. But in those days of Joel, stuff was going on. And eventually God's people began to cry out. And the Bible says, and afterward. That's why prayer is so important in this moment. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on who? All people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men. You want to know what an old man is? Somebody a year older than me. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, what will I do? I will pour out my spirit. Prophecy of Pentecost. The prophecy that was reiterated by Jesus himself. Dr. Luke recorded it in Luke 24. Said in verse 49, I'm going to send you what the Father has promised. Aren't you glad this isn't just some theoretical, theological construct? This is a gift from the Father. I'm going to give you what the Father has promised. This, and this is interesting, but stay in the city. I think God wants to stay in the city of the Gold Coast until, until you've been clothed with power from on high. A lot of us learn as young people. That verse, until you've been empowered, don't go, and after you've been empowered, don't stay. Power of the Holy Ghost. And then it happened, and they were about to launch. Here we go. The day of Pentecost, Acts 2. Again, Luke's writings, he says, when the day of Pentecost came, just like us, they're all together in one place. Could you imagine if something like that happened in this week? Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. No one was excluded. All. There are three significant signs, three significant expressions of the presence of God that happened in that moment of outpouring that I want us to focus on tonight. There was wind, there was fire, and there were language. Wind, fire, language. And I want to speak to you as leaders tonight. I want to speak to you about the implications of Pentecost. I want to speak to you about the implications of an outpouring on you as a leader. Here's a moment in your life. Here's a moment in this season where you don't have to worry about what everybody else needs. We don't have to be sitting here thinking, oh, if so-and-so was only here tonight. No, this is for you. This is for me. We need an outpouring. We need the work of the Holy Spirit again because the world needs Jesus. Wind, fire. Language. You can't see the wind, but you can see its effects. Ben and I were out walking the other day, and there was a strong wind blowing. And when the strong winds blow, things shift, things move. Leader, when the wind of the Spirit begins to blow in your ministry, things shift, things move, things change. The, the, the first person recorded that really did experience a powerful life change was Peter. We know Peter, we know his story, we've all preached about him. In that moment, when the wind began to blow, he was changed from somebody that denied Jesus to somebody that declared him. 
change. So many in this room, hundreds could stand and say, you know what, my story's been like Peter. Mine is. I was a shy, skinny kid from a little country town called Mundupper. I'm a preacher's kid. I, I, I heard all this stuff. I actually was, was a little bit cynical. I grew up as a kid that if you told me when I was six, seven, eight that I'd be doing something like this, I would have thought you were from Mars. I was a shy kid. I used to get migraines, and I, my, I used to get so nervous, my, my stomach would knot into knots, and they'd put me in a hospital and try and find out what's wrong with me. Three, four, five days at a time. Then I came to Jesus just after my 20th birthday. Can I tell you the truth? I struggled. I wasn't a good Christian. I actually prayed a prayer one night in my room, and I said, God, I'm really struggling with my faith. God, we need to have a chat because I've grown up seeing and hearing stuff and I'm really cynical about the Holy Spirit. I'd had people from when I was in kids camps right through to when I was in my late teens looking like something that crawled out of a swamp with hair to my belt and all that stuff going on. And I'd had preachers when my dad wasn't watching and they'd try and get me to speak in tongues so I'd oblige. I'd say, yeah, but have a do 15 times. They were happy and they'd get out of my face. But let me tell you what that does. It makes people cynical. I wouldn't even say, let alone fill with the Holy Spirit. True story. But God in his grace arranged for a night when nobody was in our house. My mom, my dad, my sister were out and it was just me in my room. And I said, God, I had this sense of call upon my life, but I am a pathetic Christian. And I need the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you something without anybody present. The gift that the father had was given to a desperate son. And I remember in that moment, such a radical impact of the fire of the Holy Spirit. The wind literally blew through our house, blew through my life. And in that moment, I began to experience what Joel was saying. He said, young men will see visions. I began to see what became youth alive. I began to see myself as a preacher rather than as a shy, awkward kid who put up a front and pretended he was this and that to simply somehow get through life. I began to see what we could do. I began to see the church. I began to see a generation that would be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, this, this, what I am today and the opportunities he's gained me. Within four years of that moment, I was preaching to stadiums. It's ridiculous. And even now in this season of my life, the opportunities he's given me, let me tell you, it's because of the wind. It's because of the wind. Some of us just need to let the wind bring some change, awaken things, shift things. Come on. We need the work of the wind of the Spirit. In church life and in ministries and in missions, the wind will change some things. We've come the other side of a pandemic. And I don't just believe it in the, the context of the natural calendar, but in the context of the kingdom and the seasons in God. It's a new day. It's a new day. And because it's a new day, God is going to start using new things. Some of us, out of frustration, are starting to realize some of the old things aren't working anymore. God is saying, behold, I'm doing a new thing. 
And, and if we're going to enter into that new thing, we need the wind to blow us into it. Some of us need this week to put the sails up and say, wind of the spirit, take me from the old and into the new. I, I'm a little frustrated because I, I feel like that guy who's trying to pumping up the dry well. There's nothing there anymore. Let him take you to a new place where you can see fruitfulness again and joy and souls and life and favor. But you need him to lead you into it. If you're filled with the Spirit, let him lead you. By his Spirit, that's our prayer this week. It's interesting there on the day of Pentecost, that wind brought a new sound. The sound was a roar. The sound was a roar. Some of us need to give ourselves permission to let the roar out this way. Come on. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Let the lion out. It is, it, some of us are just so excited on the inside. Get it out. Let it out. Let the joy out. Some of your testimony. Before I came to Jesus, I was with I was wicked and boring. And I, and I just I just thank God I'm not wicked anymore. <laughs> You're making our job tough. Come on. With the Holy Ghost comes joy. With the wind comes a sound. Skits comes a sound. And I'm believing all across our nation. And then some of the ministries that we're seeing across the world, there's a new sound coming. There's a sound of praise. There's a sound of adoration. There's a sound of excitement. Come on, we can't keep it in. Joy. Joy. Some of you have already been outside and had a look in the expo. There's a book there. I wrote it. My first book, we'll tell you about it tomorrow. I'm pretty excited about it because I think it's going to help a lot of men. That's for another moment. If I get a chance to write a second book, you know what I'm going to write? Oh, joy. Joy. You know what the subtitle is? The superpower of leadership. Superpower of leadership. Nehemiah, my favorite Old Testament guy, unbelievable. Rebuilds broken things. That That's the ministry God's given me. Lynn asked me one day, out of all sincerity, she said, does God trust you with anything that wasn't broken? In reflection, I take it as a compliment. God's used us in broken churches and ministries to bring healing and life. And, and, and I so relate to Nehemiah, who got on with the job of repairing broken cities and broken people. And in the middle of his task, God says, I'm going to give you a hint. Here it is. The joy. Say joy. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. Let me tell you, with the sound of that wind, there comes an ushering in of new joy. Some of you new joy. Some of you are struggling. Some of you are worn out. You know why? You need a fresh injection of the Holy Ghost and joy. I pray the wind will blow through. Some of you are, are you're preaching grumpy. You're waking up grumpy. You're a misery. Come on. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't go home miserable. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Wind. Fire. John the Baptist identified two baptisms. He identified in Matthew chapter 3 said there'd be one for repentance, which was with water, but there'd be one for renewal and empowerment, which was with fire. Matthew 3.11, I baptize you 
John speaking, with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals, I hope Jesus didn't wear socks. <laughs> that was just a thought. I wouldn't think less of him, but anyway. <laughs> whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. This is what he will do. He will what? Baptize you. Read it with me. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, 29, our God is a consuming fire. Fire consumes. Fire takes over. And he wants to baptize us to the point where our lives are not our own anymore. He wants the fresh work of his fire so that our thinking is not the same anymore. Our desires are different. Our motivations are different. Our attitudes are different. Our agenda becomes his agenda. I'm not so worried about things I used to be worried about. About the church up the road. About the church in some other city. Can I tell you something? This is what the Lord put on my heart a little while ago. I wrote it down. This is a day when true measures of success are different than what they were in seasons past. Leaders, we need the consuming fire of the Holy Spirit on our lives. Mary and Martha had what some of us have prayed for all our lives. We want a visitation from God. Mary and Martha had a visitation from God. And you know, the responses were vastly different. What did Mary do? She worshipped. I've had people preach on Mary and said she was lazy. Mary wasn't lazy, she was smart. You know what Mary realized? She, re she reversed what Martha did. Martha said, if I get all the work done, then I'll enjoy Jesus. That's what some of you do. Martha said, if I get into his presence, I'll be energized and I'll be more effective than she ever knew how to be. And here's the deal. This room has got a large chunk of people that are Martha leaders. You're consumed. Jesus, Jesus spoke to her lovingly, but he said, Martha, Martha, Martha. That's in the Amplified. Martha. <laughs> he said, you're consumed with so much stuff. Mary's chosen a better way. How about we choose a better way? How about we choose a better way? There's been a lot of issues that have consumed us over the last few years, haven't they? You heard of a thing called COVID? effects of lockdown. I've spoken to so many pastors over the last year and a half that are really worried about the fact that they haven't got everybody back to church. Look at me. Some of them aren't coming back. And it's sad. But here's what I want to say to you today. Stop being so consumed by those who haven't come back to church and become passionate about those who aren't going to heaven. If they've heard, they are responsible for what they've heard. If they were planted in the house, they've got responsibilities for their own decisions. But some of us are so consumed. I was preaching last year on the day of Pentecost, and I was talking about the fact that the Scripture says that Jesus was seen by 500 after his resurrection. One time, 500 people. But how many people in the day of Pentecost? 120. And I was praying, 120, a quarter of them even bothered to turn up. Somebody came to me, a mate of mine came to me and said, don't worry about them, mate. You know where they were? They were, they were around. They were just online. So, 
Some of them aren't coming back. And there's been a lot of effects of COVID, I get it, and for others of us, and, and let me tell you, if you've got a church of about 150, 200, you're one of the busiest people in town. The workload, the phone calls, the emails, the requirements on you, it never stops. And then we've got this little thing called the phone that we've got in our back pocket. It's our portable office, and for some of us with our discipline, we're never off. And it just keeps coming. And we didn't plan to be a Martha, but that little thing just does it to us. And we become consumed with stuff. Then there's our weaknesses. Now inadequacies. We've all been to conferences like this and you see some of these amazing people that are around the place and they're amazing. You know, poor little old me, I'm inadequate, I'm weak, I've got this struggle. Isaiah goes to church and it seems to me that he's on his own that day in chapter 6. And in the presence of God, he became so aware of his problems, his failings, and his inadequacy. Whoa. Whoa is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I I don't know about you. I I do have problems. I've got issues. what, What did he used to say? I dwell, I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. What he's saying is, you know what, I, I'm, I'm an ambassador for my king and I should be affecting the community more than I am. In fact, it's affecting me. And then he, he said, I'm standing in the presence of the holy God and I'm very aware of my inadequacies. But how gracious is God? What did God do for Isaiah? He, he sent an angel. Do you read the Bible with the video playing? Can you see this moment? He said, there's Isaiah standing in church in the presence of God. He says, well, I'm dead. Holy God, unholy me, unclean lips. And God, by his grace, says to an angel, go get a coal from off the altar. Which I guess was kind. <laughs> <laughs> and the Bible says, I don't know if angels feel pain. But it was too hot for the angel to pick up. He grabbed it with tongs, the Bible says. <laughs> he grabs it with a pair of tongs. And then the Bible says, and he whacks it on Isaiah's lips. And then one of the most profound things in the Old Testament, God says, and see, this has touched your lips. <laughs> I can just see Isaiah go, oh, really? Really? Who would have known? I meet some people, you know, just, I just, some of us, remember those old songs? He touched me. Can I tell you something? When he touches you, you get more than tingles, sweetheart. Hmm. You see, some of those videos getting around on YouTube at the moment, the Holy Spirit's touching them. Can I tell you something? When the Holy Spirit touches you, you're marked for life. When holy fire touches can, can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? When a coal from off the altar touched Isaiah's lips, he would never have spoken the same again. He probably whistled different and everything. <laughs> Come out of the temple. What happened to you? I've been cut by a holy pipe. <laughs> I met with a lot and had that in the moment. They cut. It's amazing what you did to my lip. When you touched, you changed. 
forever. We need the touch of the Spirit of God. So we never again, we never walk the same, we never talk the same, we never think, we live different because of holy fire. Changes us. Fire is contagious. I, I found that out when I was six. <laughs> Russell and I, we had a big paddock that lived, was right beside, we used to live in the church manse. Church manse is, is um, Latin for dumping place for secondhand furniture. <laughs> and beside the manse, there was this big paddock. <coughs> and my mate Russell and I, we found a box of matches. We had this little house that we built in the paddock and we were, we were playing with them. And, well, one tiny match started a big blaze and the wind was taking it to the fuel depot next door. <laughs> Learned a lot about combustion that day. <laughs> Small flames, big blaze. Here's my question, leader. Are you contagious? You're carrying fire, or are you just telling your people to? Are you saying, hey, we got this great meeting next week? Are you, you, you need to bring friends. You need to bring family. We got Alpha happening. You, you, you get some people here. We, we got a big Easter service. We got these great people coming, and, and it's going to be amazing. And you go and get lost people here. Holy, been, Holy Spirit's been doing a number on me lately. He reminded me about something that's important in leadership. It's called follow the leader. People, listen, leader, listen to me. People will not do what you tell them to do. They will do what you do because they copy you. They copy you. So I, I got, I'm getting busy. People in Jesus. And I want to be a contagious believer. It's interesting when Moses encountered God at that burning bush. He didn't set up a camp there. He was changed by the one who was in the fire. He didn't stay there at the fire. Because the mission wasn't the fire, the mission was Egypt. You've got to put a number on the screen behind you. See that? See a quick list going up? You know what that is? The world's population. And the way I read John 3.16 is that God loved everyone on the earth so much that he sent his son. And then he took him home. But then he sent us. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. How are we going to reach them? Catch on fire. And wherever you go, the fire will spread. I, I, there are times I actually take a break from watching the nightly news because I become so overwhelmed by the state of our nation. When I was walking just last week and we are talking about some things that were happening as some of you know we, we partner and minister into Alice Springs and that city's just become like the wild west and just godless and, and, and other things that are happening. You've seen what's going on just with youth crime in most of our cities and, 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 and when I were talking about it and Politicians are trying to do their best and God bless them and keep praying for them. But let me tell you something. I said, Lynn, this is just the fruit of a nation that's turned its back on God. 
Thank you, Jesus. How's it going to happen? Stop praying for that mystical gold dust that's going to drop on your city. Catch on fire. Get among your people. Let them catch on fire and send them out. God loved them. God still loves them and he's sending us in Jesus' name. There was wind and there was fire and there was a language. At Pentecost, a different sound, a different language came out of their mouth. How many are grateful for the power of the Holy Ghost? How many are grateful for a prayer language that so supercharges our prayer life and beyond that? And actually, the Bible says that it edifies our own soul. Thank God for the prayer language. But can I take you to another space, a leadership space? <coughs> Leaders, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there should be something different comes out of your mouth. I know people are speaking tongues and they're the angriest people in town. Jesus said, how, how, can, how can these bitter and sweet waters come out of the same thing? Leader, we need to carry an accent of the kingdom. What's the accent of the kingdom? It's faith, hope, and love. I mean, leaders, there'll be leaders in this room right now. You have an incredible gift of stating the obvious. You get up and say, you say to your people, offerings are down, numbers are down. Filled with the Holy Ghost and get the accent of heaven and stop speaking about the situation and start speaking to it. Use the gift, be filled with the Holy Ghost and faith. Hope. Whoa, what a missing ingredient in today's society. They turn on the news and the cost of living is going up, interest rates and well, is us. Chicken little sky is falling. We, we, we've got to come at it with a different spirit. We've got to have a different accent. Hope, hope God is good. God is for you. He hasn't given up on you. Now, come on, God is here. We, faith, hope, and love, which looks a lot like and sounds a lot like encouragement and kindness. Leaders, we get disappointed. People will leave you. People are going to leave you this year. There's a prophecy. They're going to go to that church that you don't particularly like. It happens. Disappointments, the people you had the greatest hope for. That big offering. And some of us have just become a little jaded by the things which didn't quite happen the way we thought we would. And can I tell you what happens? It eventually takes the edge off our language. We were so excited now. We're just a little dull. My prayer this week is we experience an outpouring that so changes us. God, God, I don't want to have the accent of the culture. I want to have the accent of the kingdom. So fill my heart so that no matter what the pressure, no matter what the disappointment, no matter what the, when the pressure comes on, only the wonder of God comes out. We need another outpouring. Can you say amen? Like Joel on the young, the old, the men and the women. Let me speak to the young people for a minute. The enemy wants to destroy you, but God's got other plans. It's time for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Had an opportunity to drop in briefly to the, the youth stream today. And I reminded them that every great revival that changed nations started amongst the young and the poor. <laughs> Good news is that everybody in that room qualified in one department. God wants to listen, young people, every time there's an opportunity to respond, come, lean in, those that hunger and thirst. If you're older, 
You watch a whole bunch of young men and women taking positions of leadership. Could you stop saying you're over the hill? One old granny said, someone said I'm over the hill, but I only went over the hill to pick up speed. <laughs> come on, come on. You're old men. I, I'm a serial pest these days. I, I might be in my 60s, but I tell you, I've got more vision now than I had in my 20s. I can see what we can be. I can see what our nations need. We need Jesus. Come on, dream the God dreams again. On your women, thank God the women are rising up. You amazing women of God. It's your day. The men. Joel 2, I'll pour out Joel 3. Rise up, mighty men. Take your place, regardless of the rocks that are being thrown at us from society. Men, it's our turn too. No one left out. Oh, an outpouring. You know, this region, the cities around here, we've experienced some flood rains in recent times, and it was horrendous for some. And it's very interesting, you know. Some of the places where there was just flood rains falling, others nearby missed out. And you want a scientific reason for it? It's because some places were in a rain shadow. Lynn and I, in the previous house we lived in, we were tucked under a, a mountain range. And some huge storms would roll in and we'd almost always miss out. Our land was often dry when others were just being soaked in rain. I eventually found out, why is that? He said, oh, you're in a rain shadow. You're just not positioned to receive the rain. Leaders, listen. Don't live in a rain shadow. Don't live in a rain shadow. The rains are falling. It's the day of the latter rain. It's the day when God wants to pour out his spirit. But you know what? You can miss out because you're not rightly positioned. We can be living in rain shadows because we're offended. The 21st century badge of honor is to be offended. You're offended with this and offended with that. Come on, it's time to get healed of that. Break the chains, move on, move into what God has for you. Oh, there's all kinds of things that will keep you in a rain shadow. Offense, familiarity. Some of us have experienced great things in God that can sometimes be our greatest hindrance to the next thing God wants to do. I've seen it all before. Oh, can we just live with wide-eyed, youthful wonder of God? What might you do today? Sin, carnality. Lord, put somebody on my heart today. You know what can put you in a rain shadow and keep you there? Weariness. Just couldn't be bothered anymore. I didn't say tiredness. You can fix tiredness with a couple of early nights, but weariness, it's in your soul. So I just warn you now. But the word of the Lord to us this week is, don't live in a rain shadow. Come out and position yourself where you can receive again an outpouring 